Are you ready to receive from the Lord today? Amen. You know what? I believe when the speaker comes, he has some, the Lord has something for each and every one of us. All we got to do is receive it. Our spirits to be open. Our speaker today, his name's John Davison. I just met him this morning. I believe he's going to have something really great to share. I really believe that. So, Let's just, let's go to it. Come on up and uh, welcome John Davison. Real quick, he's a family man. He works a job, serves the Lord. He said he loves to get out and speak. So, you know what? You know, when we have a testimony, we, you know, it should be just itching to get out and, you know, to share it with other people. And he's going to share that with us this morning. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Hi, guys. Wow. Um, I'm just really overwhelmed. You know, wow, just pray with me for a minute. Just, just, let's just, let's humble ourselves for just a moment. I'll let you know a little bit about me, but let's humble ourselves just for a moment. I want the Holy Spirit to speak. I don't have anything good to say, really. He does. Um, it's it's his word i am the temple the temple was used to glorify god and so the temple itself was 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 what god he put his presence in the holy spirit inside of the temple so um, each one of us is a temple and what i want to see happen and what i want god to do today in in is his will is for each one of us to walk out of here as a magnified and glorified temple okay so each one of you has a purpose. Each one of you has a destiny. You have a calling. You're a temple, and you're supposed to be filled with the presence of God. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to come and just fill us at the moment. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. We know that you're here. We, we, we've already experienced your speaking. We just hear your love and just your mercy that you have in this room. And each one of these people here, God, you just have a destiny for each one of them. Lord, you have made each one of them a temple from the foundation of the world. They've been predestined for this purpose to just host your divine presence. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come right now and just touch each person at this very moment. I just want your presence to be known and to be felt from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. I want them to be oozing with the love of Christ. Lord, I just thank you for wisdom and knowledge and revelation. I thank you that you're revealing yourself to each person. I thank you that when I walk out of here, I will walk out of here knowing you deeper, understanding your love more, that you have stuff to say to me as well every time. And so I just invite you, God, to have your way. I lay down my life before you. We just want to be renewed. We want to be transformed in our minds. We want to speak what you speak. We want to hear what you hear. We want to say what you say. We want to be perfect imagers of Christ in this world, and we want to be full of who you are. We want to be the fullness of Christ in this world. We want, every time we touch somebody, God, we just want you to touch them. We don't want them to get any bit of us. We want them to get all of you. So, Father, we just ask you to anoint our hands and our feet as we speak to one another in psalms, in love, in mercy, full of grace and seasoned with salt. Father, we just thank you for mercy on this place. And by faith, Lord, I know that this is your will. So I just thank you for the grace to speak today and just the mercy that you have on every man's life here. So, Father, we just uh, we expect you to move. We expect you to speak, and we thank you for doing so in Jesus' name. Good stuff, right? It's real good stuff. So my name is John Davison. Um, from Fruit of the Vine Ministries, 
Wow. Uh, what can I say? You know, I want to give you a little bit of my testimony. And while I give you my testimony, I want to kind of interweave some things that the Holy Spirit has taught me over the years about being discipled, about discipleship. Before I got saved, um, I grew up in a, in a mobile home. I was born and raised in a very low-income home in New Jersey. Uh, I was called trailer trash as a kid. Um, my father was a very rowdy biker. Um, my mother and father were often fighting. My parents um, would separate from time to time. My mom would leave for weeks at a time. Nobody knew where she was. Um, my grandfather was a very strong working man, but he was always busy. And so, you know, the, the, the image that I had, the discipleship, I should say, that I received. See, we all get discipled. Everybody's discipled. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You, you've all been discipled. So I, I asked the Holy Spirit last night, I said, what do you, you want to say? Because there's been something burning on my heart for three days now. And I couldn't understand what was going on with it. And I realized that it was something that he wanted me to share here. And that is about being discipled. So a disciple is an adherent of a doctrine of another. A follower of the Greek actually means a learner. So a learner. So we're all learning something. We've all learned something. Every one of you here, you're all older than I am. You're all older. So you guys have been learning things. Every one of you have been learning things. So you have a lot that you can share with me and a lot of things that you can teach me, but the greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit, Amen. the comforter of the Holy Spirit. So as I grew up, I was discipled. I was discipled by the world. I was discipled by the world. Everybody in this place, in some way or another, you, you've been discipled by the world. Even in the church, we've been discipled by the world in many ways. Guess where I'm going to step in for a minute? See this box? This is so prophetic. This is so good. In the Old Testament, God was in a box. In the Old Testament, God was in a box. His desire was always to get out of the box. See, when you get discipled by the world like I was, you put God in a box. You, you tell God that the very thing that you waited for to get out of is, is what you belong in. Because I can't take and carry you where I want to take you without putting you in a box. See, the Israelites could only take God with them when they had the Ark of the Covenant. They needed the box. They needed the box of the presence. So in order to have this box, in order to have God with them, they had to have it. So in other words, they had in their minds, they had to have God in a box. So that they could tell, take God where they wanted to go. So in the New Testament, why are we still holding God inside of a box and taking God where we want him to go? You see what I'm saying? Like, do you guys get the importance of this? The, 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 the discipleship that the world gave me told me that I was nothing, I was nobody, I wasn't going to be anybody, I wasn't loved, I wasn't valuable, and you might as well start doing drugs and drinking and do whatever you want to do because it doesn't matter. You know, whatever will be, will be. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. What about now? So, so discipleship is, is, is being a learner. So when you learn the ways of the world and then you come to Christ, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. I was discipled by drugs, alcohol, um, sex, I mean, premarital sex, uh, you name it. I mean, really, you name it. I was there. See, and then what happens is, is that you start this career and then you become very successful in this career and all the drugs and the alcohol and the women seem to just kind of multiply. 
So now you're really in a box because you've decided that what you've done is, is now what works. It's now what's best for you, and you've been a good learner. And so now you want to make disciples after yourself, and you want to teach them how to be successful. That's why we have all these Fortune 500 magazines and people and, and cosmetology, whatever these magazines are that are out there, this trash, this filth, this garbage in our world. It's all trying to disciple you. It all wants to disciple you. So I was discipled by these things. I was discipled in, in a culture, in an automotive culture. Now, I build hot rods and custom cars. That's what I've done my whole entire life. So, so doing those types of things, you know, you, you work in a body shop, you work around hammers, and everybody's drunk and everybody's on high. Everybody's high. Why? Because you're so used to the chemicals. That's what you've been around. That's your environment. So your environment end up dictating who you are, what you become, and where you're going to go. You get discipled by the environment you put yourself around. It's so good. It's just, it's just so much of the reality. It's not good in the sense that, it's not good in the sense that that is good, it's okay, but it's good in the sense that we can take the principle of discipleship and learning, and then we can actually be honest with ourselves and say, what did we learn? What am I doing that I've learned that is so contrary to what God says about me and how Jesus wants to disciple me? So I get God in a box. See, what happened was, is when I was a kid, my parents would send me to the church as a babysitter. So Sunday mornings, I'd get the gospel, and I'd get cookies, and the cookies were good. And you know what? When I got saved, God, just about 26 years old, God just flushed, just totally just flooded my mind with years and years and years of when I was in the church. Stuff I totally forgot about. I just wept, man. Oh, my goodness. It was so good. So I go to church on Sunday. I get discipled by the world six other days of the week till I'm about eight years old. Eight years old, my parents decide, hey, you know what? We're just not going to send you there anymore. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something else. We're going to figure out what we need to do. They didn't send me there because they wanted me to good, be a good Christian boy. They sent me there because they wanted somebody to watch their kid. <laughs> so, so I walk away from the church. My parents were, were very abusive. I blessed them. God, I just blessed them. Lord, I don't want to speak negatively about my mother and my father, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, just give me grace here. I love my parents very much. They're not saved, and they don't want to hear anything about Jesus. They think that I'm using Jesus as a cover-up for my wicked lifestyle, which I don't have anymore. So, so eight years old, church. I remember being beat, and I remember I would get off the bus, and I would walk maybe, I think it's something like six, maybe 600 yards from the bus stop to my home. And I remember when I got in trouble at school because I used to start beating people up and smacking them over the head with umbrellas and doing all kinds of crazy stuff in school. And I remember coming home, and I remember when I walked home, I used to tell the Lord, I said, if, if please don't let my mom be home today. If my mom's not home today, I'll just, I'll just, whatever you want me to do, I'll just do. And I remember telling God that and promising him that when I was like 9, 10 years old. Isn't that amazing? So... You know, sometimes she was home and sometimes she wasn't. <laughs> but I was always doing the wrong thing. So teenage years come along. My mom gets into a car accident and she goes 
literally insane. She, she was literally in a rubber room um, several times. In that time, when she was in the rubber room, um, I started kind of just going out, just whatever. I ran into a couple of rockers, a couple of guys that were just really into hardcore, you know, heavy metal type stuff. Um, and I found uh, the ones that wanted to disciple me, the people that wanted to invest in my life. And so my mom gets out of the rubber room. Um, they dope her up on all kinds of drugs. She's in bed for, I want to say, two years. She's in bed. Um, my father is a hardworking man. And so it's just me and my little sister home all the time. Um, I'm not proud of this. I got abusive towards my sister. Her and I have made up. She's forgiven me, and uh, she's accepted Christ. Um, but, but you know, I start meeting these guys. I go out, and I start doing drugs, and then I started getting in the rock and roll scene and started becoming – I was a singer in a band for a while, um, and then I started going to uh, Marilyn Manson concerts, Slipknot concerts, you know, all these guys – and all these guys that are just very into the demonic. And not only did I go to their concerts, I started becoming friends with these people. So these started becoming the people that discipled me. That's what I learned. I found out that these people decided that they wanted to call me family. And that they were closer to me than anybody else I had ever had. So I learned, I was discipled by this culture of death, this, this culture of anti-God. I watched the Bible, I watched the Bible get ripped apart and shoved down somebody's throat right in front of me several times. In the hand, page ripped out, eating it. So I wasn't very gospel friendly, if you will. <laughs> I was discipled by the world. Discipleship, the best thing about learning something is that you can, you can change your mind. You can repent. You can change your mind and you can change your actions about this. So I want to read something from James chapter 4, and then I'm going to kind of go a little bit more into this discipleship. This is going to make a big difference for you guys and for me as well, but I want to talk to you guys about your, your discipleship. I want to talk to you about the, what you're learning and what you think you know versus what you can know. Everything in the Bible, everything Jesus did was a choice. That wasn't really a big amen. Everything Jesus did was a choice. Okay. So everything he said, not my will, but yours be done. I only do what I see my father doing, etc., etc., etc. In other words, I'm making a conscious choice. So here's the Bible. Here's the word of God. The word of God tells me one big thing. It tells me that I have a whole lot of choices. I want to know what my choices are. If you don't know the word of God, you have no idea what your options are. If you don't read the Bible, if you don't hear what Jesus has to say, you're not going to be a learner. You're not going to be a disciple. You're not going to be disciplined in the things of God. You're not going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to what James 4 says. Where do wars and fighting among you come from? Do they not come from your lusts, that war in your body? You lust and do not have. You, so you kill. You desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. 
You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own passions. You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain he yearns jealousy for the spirit that lives in us? But he gives us more grace. For this reason, he says, listen to what he says. He connects grace with something. He says this, for this reason, he gives us more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you can just humble yourself, if you'll say, I don't have it, I don't understand just yet, and I know that there's more, I'm very confident with what I have now, but it's not enough. It's not everything. I am not perfectly conformed to the image of Christ yet, which means there's more grace available, which means I need to step up my faith and go from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from faith to faith, until the full image of Christ is formed in me. And that takes knowing the Word of God and being disciplined and be a learner of the Word and be a learner of the Holy Spirit, the Teacher, the Comforter, the One who guides us into all truths. Do you get this? Do you see how important that the discipleship is, the learning that you're learning from the world? I want to show you something. Colossians 2, chapter 8. You've got to hear this very clearly. You've got to hear this very clearly. It says, beware, be warned, take heed, listen, pay attention. It's very important that you pay attention. Beware lest anyone, anybody, a person, anybody in this room has the possibility of doing this to another and to themselves. Lest anyone captivate you, take you hold, put you in chains, handcuff you and stop you from progressing forward. He says, beware lest anyone captivate you through philosophy and vain deceit in the tradition of men and the elementary principles of the world and not after Christ. What did Ray just say before he got up and he got in the box? He said this, he said he was talking about being stuck in here, being stuck in traditions, being stuck in the things that you've been taught, being stuck in the things that you've been discipled, and the things that you've learned, which is keeping you from the fullness of Christ in you, trying to get out to love people. Amen. Come on. It's not a game. It's not, it's not something. This is a real life. This is a warfare, gentlemen. You're men. Let's be men. David told Solomon, show thyself a man and obey God and follow his word. Show yourself a man. Follow the word of God. Listen to what it says. Colossians 3. If you then were raised with Christ, desire those things which are above where Christ has been seated at the right hand of God. Listen to what he says. Set your affections. Set your heart, your mind. Fix your face like flint. Listen to this thing. This is not, this is warfare. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. Are you dead? Have, are, are you dead? Would you die already? Listen, if you don't pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow him, he says you're not worthy to be his disciple. Let me translate it. If you're not willing to put yourself on the cross, if you're not willing to lay down your own life, then you're not willing... You're not able, and you don't even have the capability within you to be a learner of Christ. A disciple, a learner. So this gospel is about you dying so that he can live through you and in you. Right? It says, for you are dead, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So the world discipled me to be a promoter of death. 
not a promoter of life. Jesus had to die in order to live. Jesus had to die in order for you to live. And likewise, you have to die in order for other people to live. You have to be so emptied, so dead, so not full of yourself, your pride, your arrogance, your positions, as Ray was telling us, so that we can really love people. You have to be so emptied of yourself so that you can be so full of him so that every time you touch someone, Jesus touches them, not you. God gave me a vision. God gave me a vision. This was about two years ago. God gave me a vision. I was going for a walk. I was going for a walk. And as I was going for a walk, he showed me a vision of myself laying in a casket. And I'm laying in the casket and I'm standing looking at myself with a spoon and food in my hand. And I was trying to feed the dead body. And I said, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me? What is this about? He goes, John, you got to stop feeding the things that are dead. Two weeks later, two weeks later, within two weeks, two weeks later, same vision. Walked up to the casket, ripped the arm off of the body, threw it on my shoulder, and I was walking around with it. And I said, I have no idea what this is about. (laughs) And he told me this. He said, son... He said, son, you can't carry around dead things because it stinks and nobody wants to be around you. What does that mean? I asked him, what do you mean? He goes, you've given me a lot, but you haven't given me at all. You've given me a lot, but you haven't given me at all. You're still trying to hold on to something that you're supposed to be dead to. And you can't carry that around because people don't want to be around you because you stink. Wow. I mean, come on. It's not a joke. So, in my mid-twenties, I was married. Um, I was at the height of my success. I had vehicles that were in multiple magazines. Um, If you guys are familiar with SEMA in Las Vegas, it's the biggest automotive show in the world. Um, Had several SEMA vehicles. Um, Not boasting in those things. I'm just giving you an idea of where I'm coming from. Top of my game, working for a world-renowned airbrush artist. Um, guy's still going at it. And uh, my marriage just completely fell apart. My wife ran off with three different guys within a year. Three different guys in a year. And I tried and I tried and I tried. She had two kids um, from two other guys. And, and uh, my marriage just went down the drains. And in the midst of that, I continued to try to hold on. Um, but slipped even harder into drugs and drinking. Um, I'd go to work, and I was praised every single day. Everybody in my town knew me. They knew what I could do. They knew what I could build. They, they, I, the world was just cheering me on. But at home, at home, it, it, was, it was empty, it was lonely, and it was drugs and it was alcohol. God brings a man in my life, older man. He's, he's about 69 right, right now. Um, I said older. I said older. Older than me. Come on. Older than me. Gray hair is a crown of wisdom. 
I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean that truthfully. No hair? That's, you're just way beyond wisdom, brother. Yeah, come on. Right on. You're so smart they ran from you. Look at that. They're not even worthy to be on your head. See that? So, yeah, so, so God brings this man into my, into my world, can build a car like nobody's business, can do body work, can paint stuff. And I wanted to be a disciple. I wanted to learn how to do my job even better than I was doing it because I wanted to be the best. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Um, that, that's not a problem. That's a goal. Uh, so, so God brings this man into my world. I start working with him and he starts talking to me. Um, he went through a really bad marriage, but he was saved at a Billy Graham crusade and he was on fire for the Lord. And he starts telling me, God said to me, God told me, and I'm saying, what are you talking about? What do you mean? God told you God speaks to me. What do you mean? He speaks to you. Frustrated me, frustrated me. Loving man, showed me Christ, still shows me Christ to this day, still walks out as a living example in my life. I love this man. And uh, so I, I, one night I got so angry and I went home and, and I just said, God, if you're real, this man, I see this man's life. I see what's going on with him. I see the way he lives. I see the way he treats me while I'm sitting there smoking my cigarettes next to him and telling him about the girls and all these other things I've been through and all my wife and all the things that are happening. I said, God, you, he says that you speak to him, and if you're real, then you speak to me. If this is the truth, then you speak to me. It didn't take but a couple of weeks. The man brought me out fishing. Um, now, nobody in my family brought me fishing. I, I wasn't really something I did. So he brings me out in the middle of the desert, takes me to this, uh, this place out in the middle of the desert. Beautiful. I am out on this lake, and the Holy Spirit showed up in such a way that I remember every detail to this very day. It was nine years ago. Every detail. I'm talking about like bald eagles flying over your head like you've never seen them before. I'm talking about bobcats coming down the side of the mountain and drinking water next to you. And God revealing how much in control that he is. I'm talking about a storm coming in while you're out on a rubber raft out into the middle of the, of the water. I'm talking about a storm that blew in that had waves that were this high that were coming in. And we're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And God says, listen, if you'll just stay right here, right where you're at right now in the middle of this storm, and you just trust me, I'm going to show you something. Speaks to me. Guess what happens? Five minutes later, somebody pulls up in a boat and says, hey, you want us to pull you in? I promise. He says, you want us to pull you in? And I looked at my buddy, and, and he goes, you good? I said, I'm totally good. We're staying. Totally good. We're staying. Within a half an hour, the waves that were this high completely went absolutely still. Glass. I, I've never caught a fish before in my life as far as I could remember for the most part, but, but I told the Lord, I said, man, I just, show me, give me a fish. Just give me something. You know what I mean? I caught a bass like that, dude. And, and it was right after it calmed down and I said, I cannot explain what just happened here today, but I want to serve you. If you're the God that's in control of that bobcat, 
that could easily come into the water and rip me apart. The the bald eagles like I've never seen before. The storks, the fish, the 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 bass that comes and just poof and just pull it up and I'm just freaking out like what is going on here? And then I start reading the Bible and, and, and talking about, you know, the, 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 the drachma in the fish's mouth and all these types of things and Jesus calming the storms. You know, I read my Bible and I started seeing all these things and it was just like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. And so I picked up my Bible and I read it from Genesis to Revelation all myself. Biggest book I've ever read in my life. I did not have a good education. I worked, like I said, I worked on cars. I worked in a body shop, didn't go to a technical school, didn't do any of that stuff. I just went and worked and did what I needed to do. And God reveals himself to me. Now, all of a sudden, guess what happens? I've been discipled by the world. So here's God. He's real. He's revealed himself to me. But I've been trained by the world. So now you're a brand new person in Christ. You get born again. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now all of a sudden you've got mindsets. You've got strongholds. You've got things in your life that some of you are still carrying right now even though you're saved. Right? Come on, just be real with me. It's okay. Come on. We want to leave here changed, right? We've got to be honest. It says he gives grace to those that are humble. Right? So what is grace? Grace is God's supernatural empower you for, to live out what he said that you have the ability to be. Grace is, 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 is a power. It's empowerment. It, is, it, is, it, it gives you the authority, the right, and the ability, and the strengthening to be what Jesus says you are. Okay. So how do you learn a new language? The Bible is a brand, it's, for me, this was a brand new language. This is a brand new language to me now. Okay, I get saved, it's a brand new language. Some of us are still trying to learn the language, right? Some of us are still trying to figure out the language. But I want to tell you something. How many people in this room chose to be born in the, in the country or the state that they were born in? Right? You, you didn't. You didn't make that choice. Nevertheless, God gives you the grace and the ability as a child to learn the language where you're born. How do you do that? It only happens when you have yourself around the people that speak that language. I I just, it's stronger than that. What language do you want to learn? What language do you want to speak? If you have a stronghold in your life and that stronghold is not speaking better words, if it's not the blood of Christ speaking better words in your life, then you need to get yourself and keep yourself around people that know the language. When a child is newly born, the area that they're in, the people that are surrounding them, the languages that they they learn are the language of the people that they're the closest to and they have to communicate with. If you want to communicate with God as a new believer in Christ or even an older believer in Christ, you have to learn God's language by putting yourself around people who already speak God's language. So if you have a stronghold in your life and that stronghold is not speaking what God speaks about you because Jesus said you've been set free from sin and whom the Son sets free, you're a slave to sin. But who the Son sets free is free indeed. If you're not free, then you're not listening to the Son. And listen, that can be in small 
or that can be enlarged. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that keep your eyes to fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. That scripture would not be there unless our faith needs perfecting. I'm not questioning that you have no faith. I'm saying that your faith needs to be perfected and it needs to be perfected by looking at Jesus. And if it's not perfected, then you're not looking at Jesus, whether you take your eyes off of him for a, for a minute or for a mile. If you get your eyes fixed back on him when it comes to that thing that he says in your life, then that thing has to leave because you're listening to Jesus and when you listen to Jesus your faith is perfected and it says that grace comes through faith it says that you're saved by grace through faith grace is supernatural empowerment so if you have the faith based off of what the word says then grace can come so you can be what he says that you are So if we're honest and we're integral with who we are and what our faith really is, then we can say, Father, increase our faith. And then we get in the word, we learn the language, we speak the language and we say, listen, this is what you said. This is what's being said. Listen, even the devil, listen, if he had the guts in Matthew chapter four to go to Jesus and question Jesus on what the word of God says, don't you think he's going to do that to you? Come on, listen. He's, listen, Holy Spirit comes down. Form, listen, Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus. This, this, I mean, this is crazy. John is sitting there with the Lamb of God, and he says this. He says, he says, this is my Son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In the next chapter, the devil goes, if you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God. He did that to Jesus. Don't you think he's trying to do that to Christ in you? It's, it's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'm discipled by the world. I've got to change my mind. I've got to repent. Repentance is a lifestyle, not a point in time. It's not. I don't take this sloppy grace. I don't appreciate this. Everything's good and dandy. It's not. We wake up in a war. I wake up in a war every day. I don't wake up in a playground. Neither do you. There's a gun sitting out there right now. We're at the VFW, for goodness sake. Come on. Really, let's be real. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest that we're in a warfare. You have a stewardship. You have a stewardship. Am I okay on time? Are we good? Can I have? Okay. Listen, I've got to speak. This is, listen, Adam and Eve in the garden had a stewardship. It says that God made Eden. Okay, Eden wasn't the garden. It says he put the garden in Eden. He put the garden in Eden. He tells Adam and Eve, now go and tend my garden. What did he tell to Israel? What did he say? What about the, the parable of the vineyard? What more could I have done for my vineyard? In other words, here's man. They're perfect. They're in relationship with God. He gives them a garden. He says, tend this thing. Come on. He says, now listen. Now be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. The earth was not subdued. Our job was to wage war and to subdue the earth. We had a stewardship in the garden. He gave us a stewardship and he says, listen, this is what you get. It's yours. Now do the right thing. Be fruitful. Multiply. Multiply my image. Adam and Eve failed their stewardship to manifest the image of God and to increase and multiply making disciples. When Adam and Eve fell, it says this, surely, listen, when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Did Adam fall dead when he ate the tree? No, he did not. So how did he die? 
The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in a defiled temple. The Holy Spirit never fell on the temple in the Old Testament when it was defiled and the Israelites were living in sin. It says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are the temple. The Old Testament tabernacle had skins on the top of it. It was a picture of your body. God always wanted to dwell inside of man. It's the way it was originally created. So you were given a stewardship. Adam and Eve were given a stewardship of the presence of God that they lost. They lost because they were not listening, heeding, and submitting to God's word. Likewise, Jesus, listen, in the beginning, God comes, he creates man of the dust of the earth, and he, and he goes like this. There's Adam, there's the dirt. Okay, ready? And he breathes life into Adam. Adam dies. No Holy Spirit. Jesus returns from the resurrection, and he walks into the room. He says, guess, guess what? He goes, I'm the resurrection and the life. It's a new day, boys. Everything you did up to this point, let's wipe that bad boy clean. You guys got a mission. You got a stewardship. He goes like this. He goes, now, receive the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Guess what he puts right back in man? Why did Jesus die? He didn't die because you're a sinner. He died because sin was on you. The cross reveals your value. It doesn't reveal your sin. I want, you, I want you to hear this very clearly. The, the law reveals your sin. The cross reveals your value. Nobody pays a high price for nothing. You're not going to overpay for a house. You're not going to spend $250,000 on a house that's only worth fifty grand. you are just not going to do that. Do you think that God's a bad businessman? So if Jesus died and he paid a price for you, and it was the cross and everything he did. Do you think that you might be valuable as well? That he was willing to pay that price? Think about this. You are valuable. The cross reveals your value. And he puts the Holy Spirit back in you and he says, Now go and be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Do you understand why it's so important to be discipled by the discipler? You have a stewardship. I have a stewardship. You have the presence of the living God in you. What are you doing with it? Are you saying that I'm going to put the presence of God and I'm going to bring him wherever I want to take him and do what I want to do with him? Or are you going to let him free? I'm tired of the church not being the church. I am tired of, and I was telling my brother earlier, I have a personal conviction that moves me every day. My personal conviction is that the New Testament church did not have the New Testament. My conviction is is that they had the same Holy Spirit we have, did not have the completed New Testament and was causing more damage in their world in their day than we are today with a completed New Testament and the same Holy Spirit. You see, 
God's just waiting for people to come along and just say, um, did you know that God can speak to you? Did you know that God loves you? Did you know that Jesus died for you? Do you know that the Holy Spirit told thus and such to me about you? And are we really interceding for the people around us? Are we really going where we're at? Are we being where we're at? The Beatitudes, it's the attitude of being. It's, it's being like that no matter where you're at. You cannot allow your circumstances and your environment in the world to disciple you. You can only allow what Jesus says and what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit's telling you to disciple you. And I am not one of these individuals that just goes, goes crazy with all kinds of stuff. Listen, the Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to do something contrary to what He tells us to do in the New Testament. He's a God of order, not a God of chaos. And He's looking to bring people into order. Everything was messed up. The word for darkness in Hebrew is ignorance. It means ignorance. So if, if you were dark, you were ignorant. You didn't know any better. But now you are light. The same word in light in the Hebrew means knowledge. So you once were ignorant, but now you're supposed to have knowledge. And he says, go be the light, the knowledge, to the world. The knowledge of what? Read the book of Ephesians. The knowledge of God. Guys, I... I, I want to honor everybody here. You're, you're, everybody here is pretty much older than I am. You guys have been doing this for a long time. Don't look at me for my age, please. It says, it says not to look down on somebody because they're young. No, please don't do that. But I want, to just, I just want to tell you that I honor you guys because you guys are like doing this. You've been around. Most of you have been doing this longer than I have, and that's great. And I have so much to learn from all of you here, and I just want to honor your lives. Thank you. Thank you for being men of God. Thanks for being men of God wherever you're at. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to do everything that the Holy Spirit just said. Be Him everywhere you go. Whatever you've learned, whatever doesn't conform you to the image of Christ, whatever doesn't bring you from glory to glory needs to go. Let it go. Please. Somebody here has got a heart issue. And God just wants to heal that. So I don't know who you are, but I just want you to be in faith right now that, that Jesus wants to touch that this very moment. There's something going on with somebody's heart. And hearing, um, hearing is, a, is, is one that's it's just hearing. There's just something with hearing. And God wants you to be hearers of the word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not a, you're, you're, you're not a, broken timepiece running out of time you're 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 young you're vibrant you've got a big mission in front of you and my generation needs men of god who are older and who are wise and who can help us i need your help we need you guys running we need you guys in front of us we need fathers in the faith we need fathers my generation just needs fathers there's a lot of fatherless kids out there we need fathers we need men who are willing to love unconditionally and lay down their lives for this generation. Please. You are not out of time. You are not a broken timepiece. You are not. Listen, antiques are, antiques are worth money because they're old. <laughs> Come on. Really, think about that. They're valuable because they've been around for a long time. And so are you. 
At least to me, I don't care what anybody else says. I hope you don't either. You have a stewardship. And what you choose to do with that stewardship, you will be judged for. So I want to end with just one little thing here. Each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for whatever deeds are done, good or bad, in the body. James tells us that that we are supposed to be doing good words. We should have good words and deeds. Don't deceive yourself. Don't, Don't allow phrases and terminology like, I go to church, or I'm a Christian, or... You know, yeah, I serve in my community to make you feel as though that you're, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Your responsibility is to be conformed to the image of Christ and to touch people everywhere you go so that Jesus can touch them. I don't care if you feed the sick and, and do all those things. Those things are good. I want you to do those things. Remember the poor, the very thing I wanted to do. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that the secular world is doing that too. So what really sets us apart? Yeah, the love of Christ. When you touch people, Jesus should be touching them. When I go somewhere, when I talk to somebody, or when Jesus puts me in somebody's world, my biggest prayer is, God, I don't want them to have me. I want them to have you. I want them to be touched by you, not touched by me. If we can say that and put our egos aside, we'll be good. But you will be judged for what you've done and what you haven't done. Don't wait to feel led. You have a divine go. You have a divine go. I didn't hear the Holy Spirit. Well, he's already said a whole lot of things that I'm not seeing people doing in the church. So don't use that as an excuse. I'm tired of hearing that one too. So listen, I just bless you guys. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We thank you for your word, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for wisdom and revelation. We thank you that that you have told us what it means to really, truly follow you, to pick up our cross, deny ourselves. Lord, I just thank you for new creations, new hearts, Father. I just thank you for healing bones and bodies right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Lord, I just thank you for divine faith, Father, for muscles and tendons and ligaments to go back in the places where they belong. I thank you, Father, that canes will not be needed, Lord. I thank you that eyes will see and see clearly. I thank you that these men will run harder than they've ever ran in their life, Lord. And they run so hard, God, that it's time for them to go get themselves a pair of Nikes and just start running, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you have given them people around them right now that they know they're supposed to be talking to, God, and you're just releasing words of knowledge and wisdom so they can speak to them, God, that you're giving them a heart, Lord, to humble themselves before you, to fast and to pray, Lord, and that you would just give them a divine hunger for your word and your presence. And Holy Spirit, we just lift you up and say you are the great teacher and we want to learn everything from you, everything you have to say. We want all truths to be made manifest and we want to be conformed to the image of Christ. So Father, we just glorify you and we lift you up in this place and I bless this place in the name of Jesus. May it increase and may a harvest of righteousness continue to grow. Father, we thank you that you are sending laborers out into the field because the harvest is ripe and you are so ready to love, Lord. So let us just become love. Let us not memorize the word. Let us become the word, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. We thank you that you're releasing your grace and your mercy and that your blood still speaks better words. And so God, I just bless them and I bless you and I honor your name. Bashem Yeshua HaMashiach in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Larry, you want to come up? We want to take an offering. We want to bless the man of God.
And so we're going to pass that around in Jesus' name. We ask that you would cultivate it, uh, add to it, Father. Speak to the hearts of men. There is nothing, nothing like the power of God. I heard a guy tell me yesterday, he said, you know, you think you're good at something, you failed at it first. When you learn to walk, did you get up and walk or did you learn to walk? When you learn to make disciples, you have to learn to make disciples. When you learn, when you walk with God, you fall and you get up and you walk again. You fall, you get up and walk again. So anything you're successful at, anything you're good at, you failed at it first. Don't let your failures, don't let your failures, don't let your failures govern what you're going to do today. Don't let your failures govern what God's placed into you and called you to. But learn from those failures. 